You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Welcome to another round of Boardroom or Miro Board. Today we talk retrospectives with Agile Coach Maria. Let's go. First question. You've spent two hours in a team retro, but the only input you've heard is Dave's. Boardroom or Miro Board? Boardroom. In Miro, Dave can't hog the space because everyone can add thoughts anonymously, online, at the same time. Correct. Next. You need the team to act on feedback fast, so you turn all those retro notes into JIRA tasks instantly. Miro all the way. And I can assign those tasks to teammates. You're nailing this. Now, you see hundreds of sticky notes from the retro. A real mess. But you organize them into five themes in just seconds. Miro, I basically get back an entire hour when I use its AI tools for clustering. And she's done it. Join over 60 million people running actually enjoyable and actionable retros in Miro. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, nothing super crazy going on with the Aaron Rodgers front. Uh, A lot of the same old, same old. It does sound like we're moving closer in the direction, which... What does that mean? I don't know. For some people, we're basically already there. For other people, it's a coin flip. So moving a half a step closer in whatever direction doesn't really make that big of a difference. But supposedly, the Packers and Jets have come to some kind of an agreement on what compensation and and all that would look like. It's just a matter of Aaron Rodgers making a decision, which again is staggering in its ability to sound like major news, but at the same time bring us no closer to a solution. The fact that the Jets and the Packers have essentially hammered out a deal via Tom Pellicero, the Jets have worked through the compensation and contract for Aaron Rodgers. It's up to him to let them and the Packers know what he wants to do. I mean, that's that's massive. But where are we? We're just sitting here waiting to see what Rodgers wants to do, which is where we were a month ago, does Rodgers want to retire, go back to the Packers, or play for the Jets? Now, I understand that playing for the Packers seems all but out at this point. Um, it's hard to know that for sure. I mean, I, again, 
it's a very where there's smoke, there's fire thing, and it's what everybody's saying, but how much of it is just people repeating what other people say and then creating reports on top of reports on top of reports? It's based on what? Well, it's based on a belief that um, the Packers essentially hate the guy, and they're not going to let him back. But I and, and, and I think the big thing for me is Rodgers doesn't want to go back to an organization that he doesn't believe he's wanted at, but I, I guess the big question that I would have is, have the Packers expressed in any real way, and I have to assume that they have to some degree, in any real way that they prefer to move on? I've yet to hear that. I mean, obviously, the, the conversations between Rodgers and the Packers were um, confidential and nothing has gotten out that I'm aware of. But I just, I just don't know. I mean, for all I know, you know, again, they, they already expressed, and I talked about this before, it's possible they've already expressed that they don't want him back in much more um, delicate language, obviously. And really, the decision has always been down to um, retirement or the Jets or, or whatever other team. If there was another team, I don't know. But there's still that slight part of me that says, if that conversation didn't take place and it was nothing more than some general hinting, similar to what we've seen in the media with Gutekunst just kind of not not being as complimentary of Rodgers as he has been other players or as he has been in the past as a way of hinting that maybe they're not interested in having him back. I mean, if that's the full extent of what they've done is try to delicately hint that they'd like to move on, is it possible Rodgers says, you know what, I, I, if you're okay with it, which you've expressed to me essentially that you are, I would like to come back for another year. Or even, you know, what if he comes back? I, I, I think I want to do two years and I want to do it as a Packer. I'm ready to do this. Number one, has it been expressed to him that that's not an option? You're not coming back. And number two, if it hasn't been expressed, how are they going to handle that? Are they really going to package Jordan Love and say, okay, sorry, dude, Rodgers wants to come back. You got to go, I guess. Unless you're willing to sit around and, you know, we'll pay for you to just sit there and do nothing. I mean, I understand how insane that is. Everybody's thinking there's no way they would do that, but I'm just asking, what what happens then? Rodgers comes in and says, I'm ready. I'm committed two years. You know, we can restructure whatever to make sure that I commit or however we want to do that is fine, but I'd like to be here two more years. Are they then going to step up and say, listen, I know we told you you can come back, but mm, sorry, no. Are they actually going to do what Bob McGinn said and, and say that they're going to bench him? I mean, I talked about that last year, if they wanted to pull the ultimate trump card, but I didn't think they'd actually do it. And it would be especially underhanded if they've, to some degree, given him the impression that he's welcome back, and then as soon as he says, okay, I want to be back, they're like, fine, you're benched. You know what I mean? That's, that's messed up. But I just don't know. But I guess for now, I'm comfortable saying that it seems to be a done deal with the Jets unless he decides to retire and the Packers are out. But I just have not seen anything that is concrete that says that there, there is no path to Rodgers coming back, other than people stating there's no path. But that's without any real anything really concrete, aside from Bob McGinn saying they're done with him and they're not going to allow him to come back. I don't know. It, it's more of a, a curiosity thing for me because there's a big gap in there. In addition to that, looking at the seemingly uh, two options that are available to us, uh, Diana Rossini tweeted out in the wake of an extension, uh, in the wake of an extensive in-person meeting between Rodgers and the New York Jets brass, including owner Woody Johnson. There's optimism in the Jets organization that they are on the brink of landing the future Hall of Fame quarterback. Sources close to the situation tell ESPN. So that was another question that I had had. We got word that he met with the Jets out in New Jersey. New York, New Jersey area, whatever. 
Then, just a couple days later, we found out all of the Jets' brass, top guys, I don't think the head coach went, which is kind of weird, maybe he did, flew out to California and uh, met with Aaron Rodgers out in Malibu or whatever. And the, the question was, for me, was that sort of a, we're going to close the deal thing? Was it, we're really close and this is sort of the, the second meeting? Or is this sort of a, that's, this isn't going well, let us give you one last shot at this before you make a decision to retire? So to hear from Diana Rossini that the belief among the Jets brass is it was a fantastic meeting and we really think it's going to happen leads me to believe it's going to happen. So now the question becomes, what exactly is it we're waiting for? I know the answer is for Rodgers to make a decision, but let's just assume he makes his decision. How does this uh, unravel? How does this unfold? Rodgers is the guy with all the power right now, and he knows that. The entire world is waiting on the tip of his finger. Is he really going to drag this until next week so Pat McAfee can break it? I can't imagine that's the case. The only way in which that could happen would be to you know, maybe tell the Packers, like, just so you know, I'm doing this. And then what, not tell the Jets and uh, ask the Packers to keep it confidential? I, I don't really understand how that works, because as soon as you tell the teams it's done, that information is going to leak. Because things get set in motion, you know, start, start, start the presses, you know, start cranking out some jerseys with Roger's name on it. I mean, all this stuff starts happening. They start calling agents. We start calling people. We got to start making some moves. We got to start telling everybody. It's going to get out. So the only thing I could think of, because I'm, I'm guessing Rodgers is going to want to control how this gets out to some degree. I mean, the, the Jets are going to have their thing of what they want. The Packers are going to have something set up for what they want. But Rodgers is going to want to make sure that the one person that officially breaks the news is one of his friends or whatever. Would be my guess. Maybe Pat McAfee, maybe uh, James Jones, maybe John Kuhn. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Maybe Bakhtiari. But the only thing I can think is you get them both on a conference call. You say, listen, I've thought about it. Here's what I want to do. I'd like to come to the Jets organization. I'd like to get this done. Here, here's the one thing I'm asking, though. Which even then, you got to work fast because somebody's in that room with the Jets sending out texts like he did it. He's, you know, and you're in a race for it to get to Ian Rappaport. I don't want this to get out until I'm able to send it out to so and and they, they probably got to coordinate it like whoa whoa what what are, what are you doing you know we got to be prepared for this but that that is my my question now is would he drag this out would he say listen this is my timeline I have until this date when free agency starts to make my decision he's like ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure he knows what he's going to do but I'm just going to kind of hang on to this until you know next week. So we can do this, you know, the whole, we'll do it like on Monday or Tuesday for the Pat McAfee show, which is the final day before whatever. And, you know, I just wonder about that because we're, we're just, we're just kind of dragging along here. And granted, it's only been a couple days since that meeting with the Jets, but it, it just, but it's also only just a couple days until <laughs> next week, Monday, right? Equidistant. I haven't said that word in a long time, but in an effort to get us all on the same page, here's kind of Ian Rappaport summarizing the situation as it is, at least for me right now. For all I know, you guys already know what happened. Well, Aaron Rodgers spent yesterday, last night, whining and dining with the New York Jets. They came out to his Malibu home, flew all the way out on a private jet to California to pitch Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. It was Woody Johnson, it was Robert Sala, it was Joe Douglas, it was other members of the coaching staff there to do everything they can to get Aaron Rodgers to want to come to the Jets. Sounded like it was a pretty successful meeting, although we will see how successful 
It actually was. Uh, now it is on Aaron Rodgers to tell the Green Bay Packers what he wants to do. Does he want to retire, walk away from the $60 million? That is still actually on the table. Does he want to tell the Packers, hey, trade me to the New York Jets, work out a deal, that's where I want to play, or presumably go back to Green Bay, although that is looking much less likely at this point. If Rodgers tells the Green Bay Packers that he wants to be with the Jets, they will facilitate a trade. All this will be over. Rodgers will be the new quarterback for the Jets. By the way, I got to ask because it drives me nuts and I've never heard anybody talk about it. But every time Ian and, and there's certain people, I don't know. Is it a regional thing? Where is he from? He's from New York. I, I, I Has anybody else noticed he and several other people, especially on TV, pronounce their L's like glottal L's? It's in the back of their throat. Instead of la, it's like la. Listen to how he says last. It's like last. Well, Aaron Rodgers spent yesterday, last night. Last night. What do you say last night? What is a last? Last. La, 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 last. Listen to how he says less likely. That is looking much less likely. At less likely. Why are you stumbling on your L's? Looked it up. It's called a retroflex L. But like every Packers podcast or NFL podcast I listen to, they all say their L's that way, and it drives me nuts. Like it, That's why it made me think it was regional. Listen to like the CBS Sports Pod. They all, they all do the, the retroflex L. L. Anyways, I had to get that off my chest because I've been listening to Ian Rappaport for years, listen to all these other podcasts, listen to all these people. So what is happening right now? Why do people keep making that sound when they say L's? It drives me nuts. Anyways, we got that taken care of. I think that's honestly about it for the Aaron Rodgers thing. Obviously, a lot of people are bantering back and forth about compensation and contracts. We pretty much went over that yesterday in terms of, you know, my thoughts on why I could see it being a lot of different things. Uh, You know, just to summarize, we have two very desperate teams. It's just a matter of who's going to be the better negotiator. You know, think about it in terms of poker. You got two guys that have bad hands and are bluffing each other. Is somebody going to man up and take the pot? You can always tell what I've been up to lately by the kinds of analogies. If they're food analogies, I'm doing food stuff. I've been binging poker lately, so they're all poker analogies. It's just how it goes. Speaking of, since we're on the topic, I was reading an article by Mark Jarvis. Was He did some stuff about um, the NFL draft and how it correlates to statistics and whatnot. And just kind of looking at statistics as a way of kind of better understanding what you're looking at when you look at the draft or whatever. However you want to phrase that, I don't know. But he kind of looked at it from the standpoint of a weatherman. You know, if it's raining outside and you ask a weatherman, what's the probability that it's raining? And say, so you look outside your window, right? It's 100%. Then if you say, what's the probability of it raining tomorrow? They have mathematical statistical models to be able to give you a certain percentage probability. Then if you say, what are the probability of it raining in a year? You have no real way of doing that. So essentially, all you would be left with is looking at the general probabilities of rain on any day. If it's 20%, just call it 20%. It's not really based on anything statistical. So he kind of goes through and looks at these different things. And he kind of gives examples of situations in which things can have the appearance of being random while not really being random. And I think the draft is one of those because there's so many, such an insane amount of variables. And you can look at it and you can look at the hit rate and you can say, you know, these teams are doing a terrible job and clearly anybody can throw a dart at a board, you know, especially sixth, seventh round, and you got just as good a chance of hitting a stud as any other team does. And that's relatively true. And I think it kind of correlates with poker or maybe blackjack, but I think poker is a better analogy in that an amateur can go up against a professional player and win. 
if they have a better hand, it's likely that they're going to win. I could beat you know, Phil Ivey or whoever in a hand. You know, If I have pocket aces and ace-ace-jack comes up and he's got pocket jacks, I'm going to take a lot of his money. But over the course of time, he's going to end up taking all of my money. And the same is true when you look at these massive tournaments, right? There's, I don't know how many people are, there, thousands of people, and you got guys winning hands and losing hands and all that. But you always seem to find the same guys that make it to the end. And you would think if it's a statistical random chance with, you know, with, with poker, because it kind of is in a way. It's completely random what cards you're going to get and whether or not you're going to get the best hand. If there's five guys at the table, you're statistically, let's say you're running this for hours and hours and hours, you're going to get 20% of the time the best hand. I mean, roughly, you're going to have, you know, tied hands or whatever. But 20% of the time, you're going to have the best hand. So the art comes in of being able to win some of the hands you you don't have the best hand. Steal in the pot, et cetera, et cetera. And the people that are the best at that are the ones that are going to make it to the end consistently. Eventually, the model's going to work itself out. And I think the NFL draft is somewhat similar to that. I think on a surface level, if you look at, for example, the first round pick, well, I wanted, you know, I wanted TJ Watt. And they drafted Kevin King, traded back and got King. Kevin King was a joke. TJ Watt is still a freak. I was right. And that's true. And that's because on a complete coin flip, a lot of the time, it's going to look the exact same. But when you look at the massive amount of information that is out there about the prospects, about their medicals, about their backgrounds, all their statistics, the advanced statistics, the meetings that you had with them, all these different things, the ability to have as much data as they have, the team that they have to accumulate this data, and then the, the knowledge base to know how to interpret the data to come up with the best solution. You're still going to have a pretty close hit rate to some random guy off the street that just happens to casually watch you know, a, a Denzel Mims video and say, yeah, I kind of like that guy or I don't like that guy or whatever. And you look at your own hit rate and be like, dude, I, I there's been like five times I just nailed it. I saw this third round guy. I was like, I love that guy. He's one of the best guys in the whole draft. I'm super good at this draft stuff. But if there was a way to do drafting that was similar to poker, which would be kind of a fun game, typically speaking, I think you're going to find that guys like Brian Gutekunst are going to end up beating us more often than not. They have more experience, they have more skill, they have more resources, they have more information to create better models and better systems in place to get to the end. So all that to say, from a zoomed out look, it looks completely random. It's a complete crapshoot. 50% of these first round picks are, are going to, I don't want to say bust out, but they're not going to end up being great players. And, you know, 90% of the mid-round picks... And it's just miss after miss after miss. I mean, if you get one or two good players out of the draft, you did a great job, and any random dude can do that. And that's also why, by the way, some teams do stay at the top while other teams don't. The, the NFL is built for parity, then why isn't there parity? Better GMs, better coaches, better owners. Over long periods of time, the cream rises to the top. It's amazing how many bad teams get great draft grades. Seems like a real good thing at the time, but as time goes on, as you look at it, look at it, same teams end up failing. Same teams with those supposedly great uh, great draft halls and everything else. Teams just don't go anywhere. Players don't amount to anything. It's not about winning more than losing. It's about winning more than everybody else. Anyways, that was random placement, but since we were on the topic of uh, poker analogies, I thought I'd drop that. Anyways, in other news, the Minnesota Vikings are going through their own uh, set of turmoil. 
Um, apparently, there is a high probability that they will not be bringing back Adam Thielen. This has been somewhat expected. You may have remembered me talking about this kind of a lot. Basically, as soon as their season ended, um, it was kind of an expected thing. I, I know his wife had made some comments, and we were going through some of the laughing at the Viking stuff. I was still going through all their stuff, and they were they were very, uh, very much expecting this to happen. However, in addition to losing a ton of players in the near future, Ian Rappaport reported, Vikings Pro Bowl pass rusher Zadarius Smith informed the team that he wants to be released, I'm told. The team has no plans to do that. The situation remains unsolved. I don't know what the deal is with Zadarius Smith. I, I, I just, I don't get it from the standpoint of he was the coolest guy. I mean, he, he was like almost what felt like Aaron Jones level. Like father figure, good dude, happy, great vibes, good leader, great player, hardworking. Every single thing you could describe him with. I mean, you even go back to when he had a bunch of guys, including young guys, in his car. They went down to Chicago, came back, and had weed in the car. And he took the fall for the whole car. And it was just like, you know, he wasn't the only guy that knew that was in there. But he took the fall. I mean, he just stood up as a leader and said, it's mine. All that's mine. He took the complete hit. Everybody else got off. Not to say that it was a great decision. I mean, it's not the best example. But, I mean, that's, that's just the kind of guy he was. And then, you know, even when the, the uh, team captain thing happened, I thought it was like a joke. Like, Zadarius didn't get picked, and he was upset. Like, oh, yeah, right. Zadarius, dude, come on. When the contract thing didn't pan out the way you wanted, it's like, yeah, that sucks. He'll be fine, though. He's, he's a cool dude. And it just spiraled to the point where I was thinking, should I be taking Zadarius aside in this? You know, I know he's not even a Packer anymore, but there's no way he would be like the problem, right? Now he's out in Minnesota saying, I want out. And the Vikings are like, well, we're not letting you go. So, I mean, that's not, <laughs> what are you talking about? And what, why does he, why would he do that? Maybe he just wants to make some money, you know? He, doesn't, he didn't get quite as much as he was hoping, so if he gets released by the Vikings, then somebody will pick him up, you know, based on what he did, and he'll get his new contract. He's kind of just racing against the clock. So he's, you know, if I don't get a new contract now, I may not get one kind of thing or something. I don't really know, but it's just like you forced your way off the Packers, essentially. I mean, not really, but kind of. I mean, there was no way he was staying, considering how hostile everything had become. You get a uh, deal with Baltimore. That's a done deal, all set for real cheap price, I think. I don't really exactly remember, but I remember it wasn't very much. And then he backed out of that and went to the Minnesota Vikings. And now he's backing out of the Vikings. Like, what, what, what are you doing, dude? Don't do this. Well, now that I think about it, do do this, please. Because now the Vikings have just absolutely nothing. Oh, <laughs> I'm just seeing this now. Um, geez, what is going on? And I got all these news things on Twitter. I got to get rid of them. It's like a new shooting every five seconds. Terrorist attack in Israel. Now there was a shooting in Germany. Anyways, Zadarius Smith put on Twitter, I just want to say thank you to Skull Nation for an amazing season and experience. Thank you to all my teammates, coaches, and the entire Minnesota Vikings organization with a purple heart. And it's a picture of him as a Viking and then him just uh, giving hugs to some guys. I don't know who those guys are, coaches or something. And again, Ian re quote tweets that with the exact same thing, saying the team has no plans to do that. The situation remains unresolved. And Zedaria's like, nope, I'm out. See ya. Like, I'm not coming back. It's not happening. Don't even try it. I've already said goodbye to everybody. What a crazy situation. 
And the part that sucks is, you know, they switched to that 3-4 defense to where Daniil Hunter is really kind of the odd man out. He's a significantly better player, and I think he's a younger player. And uh, he's 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 like the one guy that's there, but he kind of struggled in this new system. So Darius is your outside linebacker. He's the fit in your new system. You got Petten there. You got everything else. Petten and Mike Smith and Zadarius are all there. And now Zadarius is the guy saying, I want out. And they're like, dude, you are the cornerstone of our defense right here. Where We have nothing left. They just lost, who was it, Kendricks? So Kendricks is gone. Now Zadarius is saying, I want out. Who's left? Dalvin Tomlinson's a free agent. I don't know the situation with Harrison Smith, but that dude is 500 years old. Patrick Peterson's a free agent. Chandon Sullivan's a free agent. Duke Shelley's a free agent. I mean, it's it's your three of your, uh, what is it? Three of your, yeah, all three of your starting corners are free agents. Patrick Peterson, Chandon Sullivan, Duke Shelley. And Dalvin Tomlinson is the only real, aside from that, you got Harrison Phillips, uh, how, however you say the Tonga guy's name. That I mean, that that's it. You're, that's your defensive line, James Lynch, Ross Blacklock, which is hilarious. There's just nothing here, man. Kicker Greg Joseph is a free agent. Long snapper's a free agent. So yeah, the Vikings are uh, they're headed for an unusual situation. And again, you've got a GM that, you know, you, you trust him to do what's best for the franchise, but you got to understand that he's going to do what's best for himself. And um, it's going to be hard to find a GM that's going to be secure enough to say, let's just do like a two to three year rebuild, like a complete teardown and rebuild. He's already got a year in. This is the teardown year. <laughs> so next year is year one of rebuild. And I guess you start rebuilding this year with your whatever you can do in the draft, but you don't have a quarterback. I mean, you got to build bare bones from the ground up, man. You got to build in the trenches. You got to find wide receivers. You got Justin Jefferson and nothing. Some stupid reason you spent a bunch of money on a tight end. I don't understand that one. Anyways, new addition to the uh, rumor mill here. This again via Zach Rosenblatt, who's been doing a lot of work over there uh, as far as covering the Jets with the Athletic and whatnot. He says, Sauce Gardner on his stream with Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall sitting next to him said that if Aaron Rodgers comes to the Jets, quote, it's package deals all over. I can't tell y'all who, but just know. Package deals all over. See, th- this is so weird to me because neither team really has a lot of money. So, it's you know, you talk about shipping somebody to the Jets. It's like, well, they don't, they don't have any money to afford them. And then you talk about sending somebody back to us. And it's like, well, we don't have any money to afford them, especially if we're eating extra money on Rogers' cap. But the, the, the reality is we're both just sitting where we're sitting. And if we can do a bunch of trades that kind of levels itself out financially... It doesn't really matter. The question is, what the heck is he talking about? Who could he even be talking about if we're talking about somebody going to the Jets? And it, it, the way he phrased it makes it feel like guys are going to the Jets and guys are going coming back. I hope it's not just a bunch of guys coming back because I'm already thinking we're not getting a lot of picks. We might end up with no picks. If they send like two mid-range players, I'm thinking, shoot, we get nothing. It's just a player swap. And that would really blow. But at the same time, for a team that's in financial distress, maybe that's the only card that they got. Like, dude, I can't afford to take Rodgers right now unless we offload some people. To which, if I was good, I would just say, that's your freaking problem. Cut them. I don't want them. But from the Packers standpoint, who could we possibly send? I saw Tom Silverstein say Robert Tunyon, but 
he's not even really under con. I mean, he's tech. I guess he's technically under contract until the new league year starts, or I don't know exactly how that works, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to trade our contract, which expires in like a day. So it'd have to be somebody that's under contract, right? So David Bakhtiari obviously is an option. Elton Jenkins, there's no way. There's Josh Myers and John Runyon, I think are, I mean, it sounds insane, but possibilities, although I don't love the depth that we have at all. Zach Tom, I can't imagine, would be a thing. Yash Nyman could potentially be a thing, although I think that's a similar situation with as far as his contract. But maybe if you trade, because the difference with Nyman, I think, is that you can tender him, meaning if we do trade him to the Jets, they can just basically claim the guy and just say, you're mine. You, you, you will be staying here. You know, you put that second round tender on him or something. Like I was saying, the, the Packers could do. And if somebody wants to offer him a con, you know, or, or a first round tender or whatever, and you can do that and maybe offer him another contract. But the point is, it's not like you're going to end up losing him. Maybe that's the case with Tunyon as well. I don't exactly know what uh, his status is as far as that goes. Um, I can't really imagine any other tight ends that are planning on staying here because we don't have any. Um, running backs, I mean, we just changed up Aaron Jones's contract, and A.J. Dillon's not going anywhere. Patrick Taylor, I can't think, would move the needle all that much. Don't think we would move any uh, defensive tackles or edge rushers because we need them all. Um, inside linebackers, I mean, I, I guess. Corners? I mean... Could they move Razul? You know, I mean, if they do like Stokes in the slot and that's their solution. I know everybody wants Razul at uh, safety, so everybody would be super disappointed because it's like, no, get rid of Savage and keep Razul. But I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't know. I just don't see a lot here that's like, oh, there. that makes a lot of sense to, to trade that guy. Tell you what, why don't we take a break? When we come back, I want to look at the uh, status of some of the New York Jets players, some of their contracts and whatnot, and just see if there's anything over there that kind of makes any sense as far as who would be coming back because you would assume although i'm i'm thinking somebody from the packers is probably going just by the way he phrased it there's going to be players going in both directions it might just be some uh, you know a, a pie it's multiple players i don't know exactly what direction and the fact that he says i can't tell you who i mean look i mean he if it's david bakhtiari it's possible he was told which why would you tell your players i don't understand that but um I mean, you, you could possibly tell him, like, yeah, David Bakhtiari's coming, and then you would know names, but it would make more sense that you would know what Jets players. But why don't we just take a quick break, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, if you'd like to support the podcast, which would be greatly appreciated. You can do so for as little as $1 per month. Otherwise, please consider checking out Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find them at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So one of the things that I would want to look at for the Jets is to start at the top of their you know, cap number as far as their contracts and guys that they'd want to move on from. Um, at the very top, which is never something you want to see, is linebacker C.J. Mosley. I mean, I guess it's nice that you don't have a big contract above 21. You don't have a quarterback or anything, but to pay 20 this much for a linebacker is stupid. But obviously the Packers are not interested in a third linebacker. That's not going to be a thing. So you continue on down the list. Lake and Tomlinson doesn't make any sense. Carl Lawson is a really talented 28-year-old pass rusher. They're not going to be moving on with him. If anything, they need to extend him. He's $15 million on their cap. Give him a major contract extension, and you're going to free up a massive amount of money. Now, one scenario, because the Packers can't afford the $15 million uh, cap. His base salary is $15 million, so it's it wouldn't really be a, you know, sometimes the cap hit is what the Jets would eat and we would take on. No, it's they would save pretty much all of that, and we would take pretty much all of that. We'd have to pay him $15 million plus, 15.4, I think, million. However, if the Packers could enter into a contract negotiation with Carl Lawson. Now, this is multi-levels deep, but what if they contacted Carl Lawson's agent and just said, look, we're doing all these things we're, we're looking at, and one of the possibilities is to trade Carl Lawson, but they're not going to do it unless Carl Lawson, well, you know, because obviously they can trade him, but we don't want him unless we know that we can get an extension. Because it is weird the Jets have not done an extension with Carl Lawson. Now, he's still on the contract for 2023, but they need a lot of cap space and nothing's getting done. It's very similar to the David Bakhtiari thing. Why isn't this extension getting done? You could potentially have something set up with the Green Bay Packers. Again, I don't know why you'd want to do this because he's a major part of your defense, but I'm just thinking out loud here in terms of making things move. The Packers could take Carl Lawson. That would drop $15 million, $15.4 million off of their cap space. But then we would drop that immediately by offering him another contract. And we would have Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, and Carl Lawson going into the season. So, again, I don't think that's going to be a thing, but that would be the one way that that could work for both parties. Or, again, they could just extend them, and then it solves all the problems. But that's one of those moves where you look at it and say, there's no compensation coming back. Like, <laughs> it's it's Rodgers for Lawson, done deal. Because I would have to assume he's worth a, a first-round pick. Maybe not 13. I don't know. I'm just, that's, that's crazy. Uh, DJ Reed, cornerback, again, I don't see that happening. He's a 27-year-old cornerback. We don't really need a cornerback. Uh, John Franklin Myers is another edge rusher. If they didn't want to do the Carl Lawson thing, 27 years old. He's 12.4 against the cap. They could certainly save a decent amount of money. They'd save 5.2 if they did trade him. But the problem is John Franklin Myers, nothing wrong with the guy. Well, he did actually have... That's right, because all the Jets kind of shocked me with how good they were. 
He had 51 pressures on 379 attempts and seven sacks, which is not bad at all. Um, obviously, you'd like more sacks than that, but consistently a really good football player. Very rare. I mean, he had one game that was below a 60 against Jacksonville. Um, so extremely consistent. 77 run defense grade, 76 pass rush grade. But the the concern is it's a hefty contract to take on. And we wouldn't be offering him an extension because he just got paid, which is all the more reason why the Jets probably wouldn't trade him. So there's not a lot of flexibility there, unless the Packers decide to be stupid and give him a void year contract thing right out of the gate. But So this one's probably a no. I think they like him. He's a young, pivotal piece of their defense, a big part of the reason Aaron Rodgers is going there. Um, they just gave him a contract, so that's probably a no. Uh, Dwayne Brown, left tackle. Don't really understand the point of that. The guy's 38 years old, and we're talking about getting rid of Bakhtiari, and if we're not getting rid of Bakhtiari, then we don't need him to begin with. Then you have Corey Davis, 28-year-old wide receiver, final year of his contract. His uh, base salary, which is all we would be paying, is $10.5 million, and that's how much they would save. It would be a pretty massive savings, but again, I don't really know how the Packers come up with that necessarily. Um it's, it's possible, and, and obviously if we're moving David Bakhtiari, or, and even if we're not, we can restructure him and we get $12 million in savings, so there you go. I mean, maximally $12 million in savings. Um, and then if we trade him, I think it's like $6 million, so you get about halfway there. Not impossible, 28 years old, hasn't really been a dominant receiver since he was with Tennessee. However, um, now, that you, now that I think about it, he was in Tennessee since 2017. Who was the offensive coordinator back in 2018? Matt LaFleur. So he has some familiarity with Corey Davis. In fact, his first good year was the first year, I think, with Matt LaFleur in 2018. He had a he went from a 63 overall grade up to a 76. He was solid the rest of his time there. 76, 70, and 83 were his grades. Not really a dynamo necessarily in terms of statistics, but um, 891 yards, four touchdowns, 670 yards, three touchdowns, and 984 yards, five touchdowns. Then he goes to the Jets, and it's 492 and four touchdowns, 536 and two touchdowns. So not a big touchdown guy, but I think he is sort of that prototypical, uh, I guess you call it the X receiver. I don't know that he's necessarily a great one, but he's that dude. It's an option. Again, he's expensive, and it's only one year unless we want to tie him down for more. Then you get a really interesting piece in Jordan Whitehead. Now, Jordan Whitehead was really good when he was with Tampa. He went over to the Jets and didn't necessarily have uh, as good of a time. He wasn't terrible, but it was certainly a step back. In his last two years in Tampa, he had 70 overall grades, basically 70 coverage both years, roughly 70 run defense both years. So just, just a solid, consistent guy, not the greatest tackler. And then he took a half a step back to a 66 when he went to the Jets. But still a young talented, pretty consistent presence, not just an absolute heap of garbage. He only had like two, I would call it bad games, and they were the first and second weeks of the season. After that, he did have some 50s, but it was, you know, mostly 60s and 70s after that. Whitehead's a pretty good situation because he's in the final year of his contract, and and it's not like a, it's not like the Jets drafted him. That's the other thing. It's not like he's a young guy that they drafted and they developed. They picked him up off of Tampa to be a stud. He came in and he wasn't all that great. So he's, he's in the final year of his deal. He's 10.2 against their cap. If they offload him, they save $7.2 million, which is massive. The Packers would only be on the hook for, uh, looks like, a little over $7 million, I think. Well, yeah, probably the 7.2. 
which isn't terrible. And then because he's in his final year, you could offer him an extension if he ends up working out. I think Whitehead makes a good amount of sense. Now, if they like him, obviously they're just going to keep him. But it's another guy where you're looking at it saying, we're getting close to free agency, you know? I mean, he's not a free agent, but we're kind of getting kind of getting down the line here. If you're going to offer him another deal, if you're going to do something with this contract, because you want to obviously get that number down, why isn't it getting done? Next guy on the big money list is uh, big man Quinn and Williams. Now, there were rumors back in the day, uh, a few years ago, I think, about him potentially being um, on the trade block and that the Packers were interested in him. Now, those did end up getting dismissed. That doesn't mean that it's not true, but people came forward and said, no, that's not true. So, you know, not much else you can do with that. But it is interesting to think if that was a real thing, if the Jets were possibly considering moving him, and if the Packers are interested, could this be an option? It shouldn't be. Again, you got a 26-year-old stud defensive tackle. Why would you do it? I don't know. But final year of his contract, it's his fifth-year option for his, uh, for his deal. But you got to understand, Quinn and Williams... So when he came into the league as a rookie, he was okay, 67. Which, by the way, I'm actually really excited about this because I, when, I, um, when I first watched Quinn and Williams as a draft prospect, I thought, this is, this is my guy. This is my favorite prospect. He's a stud. And then he was somewhat mediocre, and I was like, dang it, I don't understand. I suck at the scouting thing. Then he had a better second year, 81.4. Then he went back, 64. And then this year, he was one of the best defensive tackles in football with a 90 overall grade. He had a 77 run defense grade, an 84 pass rush grade, 52 pressures on 420 attempts, 13 sacks. So I'm going to be honest. This is one of those situations where, I mean, first of all, this is a, this is a at best for the Packers, a one-to-one swap. I think it would be heavily in our favor. This is borderline, we give you Bakhtiari and Rodgers and we get Quinnen Williams back, in my opinion. And even then, if I'm the Jets, I wouldn't do that. That's stupid. Rodgers plays one year, Bakhtiari gives you two years, while Quinnen plays for the Packers for what, the next six? That would be stupid. Uh, next potential guy on the list would be tight end Tyler Conklin. This one obviously makes sense in terms of need. Um, it's not massively expensive uh, for us at $6.1 million. It's not great, but it's not, you know, a gut buster. Big savings for the, um, for the Jets. They save 6.7. I guess we'd probably end up paying the 6.7, right? But he's relatively young, gives us some tight end depth. And I mean, again, I wouldn't really want to pay that much for him, but he had 552 yards and three touchdowns last year. Actually, that doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't we just give $5 million to Tunyon? And then blocking, he's pretty abysmal. So, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I mean, it could be a thing if the Packers for some reason really like him, but I would be really sad. Then you've got uh, wide receiver Braxton Berrios, another guy in the final year of his contract. This is a pretty solid one from. A lot of perspectives. He's a veteran receiver, which the Packers need. 28 years old, you know, so he's not a spring chicken, but he's certainly not old. He's not one of the Jets' top guys, so it's not a massive uh, hit to their team. And then as far as compensation, they would end up saving $5 million. His base salary is 5.5, so we'd have to pay that, plus his, you know, half a million or whatever, so $6 million bucks or whatever it would be. You can just go down the list. C.J. Uzoma, Mackay, Becton, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker. I mean, these guys are probably not going to end up, you know, not going to be Garrett Wilson, but um, there's nobody here that really massively knocks my socks off. Now, it doesn't have to be the heavy hitters, right? It could be some small town, small guy. And we talked about Denzel Mims already. Uh, he's in the final year of his contract. The guy would be basically free. 
It's his rookie deal, so we would be the first ones to pay him. You get him at 26 years old, it would cost us one point, less than $1.4 million it would cost us to have Denzel Mims on our team, which seems to be a no-brainer depending on how much the Jets really want him. But from our perspective, it's, it's clearly a no-brainer. Another tight end option, C.J. Uzoma would be cheap, 30 years old, not significantly better than Tyler Conklin, but if you're just looking to kind of patch things up and get a little bit of depth, that's an option. So I'm not going to go through their whole uh, team here, but you know the, the, the guys that knock your socks off, like Quinn and Williams, you, you have to look at that and say, there's no way, right? Like that, that can't be a thing. The Jets would be stupid, which really just leads me to believe that assuming this Sauce Gardner thing is even true or real or whatever, or that we're interpreting it properly, it's minor transactions. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a crazy world. Anyways, um, I think we're just going to end with this. Green Bay Packers are awarded two compensatory draft picks via J.J. Leahy. Fifth round, pick 170 for Marquez Valdez-Scantling and a seventh round pick 256 for either Chandon Sullivan or Oren Burks. Uh, Pat O'Donnell's acquisition may have canceled out the other seven, and Jaron Reed canceled out Lucas Patrick's sixth. So a couple more picks for the boys. I thought for sure I was going to have to throw this podcast in the garbage um, because something was going to come up. I'm, I'm sitting here just staring at Twitter like, go ahead, do it. I'll just I'll delete the whole thing. Just do it. I know you want to do it. But um, once I get this thing uploaded, nothing else matters. If it happens, it happens. But it's getting late. I'm guessing nothing's going to... Ah, who knows? Who knows? Who cares? Better luck tomorrow. You guys have yourselves a great night. I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.